This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Martha Hoover, founder and CEO of Patachu Inc. in Indianapolis. Four of Martha's 12 restaurants are currently operating according to new state protocol. Eight restaurants are completely closed. Martha's usual staff of nearly 400 people has been reduced significantly. Martha is a former criminal prosecutor, and she's built her restaurant group around the core values of communication and community. Listen in now as Martha tells us what she's doing to fight, to hold on, and to take care. We'll be back tomorrow with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Martha Hoover. Martha, hello. Thank you, Howie, for having me. It's always an honor to to talk to you. You're somebody in the restaurant industry whose work I, I really admire, both for the food you put out, but also for the way uh, you take care of your your people. Can you give me the lay of the land in Indianapolis right now and, and kind of sum up what's going on in the hospitality industry there? Well, I think very similar to all communities right now, we're under a mandated closure for two weeks, although we have been given um, reliable intel that says that our closures are going to be extended probably beyond four weeks. Um, so we are in triage mode. Um, everybody is in triage mode, not just Padashu, uh, which, by the way, does not make it better for any of us. Um, I delivered messages personally to over 300 people yesterday regarding massive layoffs um, that, you know, all my employees are extraordinarily anxious about the future. And we are trying to help people through this time as much as possible to give information that is concise and clear and accurate um, and to deliver it with a level of compassion that helps people navigate through their anxious feelings. Um, How many employees do you have in your group? We have between 350 and 400. Um, And are you saying that you laid off 300 people yesterday or that you were communicating with 300 people about what's happening right now and the potential for different outcomes? We started, uh, we We've always had a great chain of communication, but we started communicating specifically about our coronavirus plan over a week ago. Um, And we did that with everybody in our system. We have multiple channels of communication. Of course, we rely on face-to-face communication from our managers to everyone in the field. The executive team had gone into basically a war room environment where all we were doing was figuring out our coronavirus plan. Um, We truthfully did not have a risk management plan dealing with a pandemic because that was not anything that we ever thought would happen. We've had other issues and uh, we had an issue of a major flood that closed a restaurant down oh, 10 years ago, that closed Petit Chew down, down for uh, six months, actually. So we were somewhat prepared for an emergency, but I don't think anyone was as prepared as, as they should have been, including us. Um, 
But we started communicating over a week ago. We, of course, did what everyone else was doing in terms of increased sanitation protocol. And, you know, we really amped up that. We amped up our food safety protocol. And we started communicating internally what our requirements were to the staff. We started not just communicating, but validating adherence to our new protocols. And then we were messaging to our customers about the steps we were taking. Um, Last Thursday, we had uh, the executive team had an emergency meeting in which we started planning for what was not yet mandated, but what we knew would be mandated within a certain period of time. And that was closures. And the closures included an initial laying off of um, the significant amount of our staff, which are hourly employees. So hourly employees were the first ones to to be laid off. And how many are we talking? I would say 200, over 200 people. Over 200 people. Wow. Was Is that unprecedented for you to, to yes. lay off 200 people at one time? We've never laid off people. Oh, yeah. We've never been in a situation where we had to lay off people. The, the emergency time before dealing with our flood situation at Petit Chu, we were able to 100% employ everybody during our closure at other other locations. But I'll tell you what we did. I'll tell you because I think that this is where having systems in place really make made a difference. We seven years ago started what we call a peer fund, a parachute employee emergency relief fund that it's a, a fund that was seeded, financially seeded by the company. Um, and administered by staff. I do not administer it, although I certainly have, they they come to me and ask questions, um, but it is administered fully by staff. And the purpose of the peer fund is to help staff in times of their financial, in times of crisis, it's to help them financially. So we established this at the same time, we established the Pottershoe Foundation. Um, and the reason we established the Peer Fund is because we recognize the vulnerability that exists with all people in the hospitality world, given the model of business that we're in now, the number of hourly employees, the number of people who live paycheck to paycheck, and the number of people who some emergency can really derail their life. Our peer fund was used for, you know, emergency dental work, uh, used for um, situations where someone's spouse got very sick or they had a child who needed emergency hospitalization and they couldn't work, things like that. And it's been very effective and robustly used over six and a half years now. But what we decided to do as of yesterday when we were announcing layoffs is we are having a huge gift card push and a merchandise push, and we are doing carry out. And our, all of the proceeds of those items are going directly to the peer fund. We are changing the rules of access. We are um, allowing it and the rules of access have always been the, the peer fund has always been. Um, any employee, if they're if they work one hour a week or they're full time salary people, 
any employee can access the peer fund. Um, there has been a limit to what they can request out of the peer fund and for certain cat and certain categories of what will and will not be supported by the peer fund. Now, all, all of those rules are by the wayside. Um, we used to require, for instance, um, receipts of people's expenses so that we could pay that expense. Now we understand that life is different. If somebody needs to take money from the peer fund to buy groceries, we're not going to ask them to put out cash, pay for groceries, come in with receipts, and we'll pay them the receipts. We're doing the right thing. And interestingly, our customers have responded. Our customers, we we put out the message on all of our uh, social media platforms, as well as internally, um, of the plan of the plan to take the proceeds from our carryout sales, from our merchandise sales. We're even actually doing a wine sale next week, and all of that all of that money will go directly to our peer fund. So the laid-off workers can still access the peer fund? 100%. And how do they have to submit a request if I'm, you know, if, I, if I'm making, what's the, what's the hourly rate in Indianapolis? Well, the hourly rate in Indianapolis is not the same as Parashi rate because we pay living livable wage. The hourly rate in Indianapolis for hospitality workers is, uh, the, you know, the, the federal minimum wage. The what we call the survivability rate, what people need an hour just to survive in this city is somewhere hovering a little over $11 an hour. Um, and I always think that when you talk about minimum wage and what hospitality workers make, you really have to put it in context as to what survivability wage is. Um, but we do our best. Our, our one of our biggest expenses, as in any any business, one of our biggest expenses is our payroll. And one of the reasons why ours is so, I'm going to use the term bloated, um, is because we do pay above minimum. We pay livable, and we're trying as hard as we could do as we can to do the right thing. Allowing our people, telling our people that we were laying them off, allowed them to apply for unemployment. Something else have done, and I know that's not newsworthy, that's the plan that everyone is going, but we have set up basically um, our HR department um, along with our brand manager has set up um, meetings every 15 minutes. We're on schedule to meet with anyone who needs help in making the application. Um, for unemployment. And then, of course, we are making calls, visiting as many politicians and, and people in government right now to encourage them to pass some emergency legislation and to get these funds available to people now instead of waiting a ridiculous amount of process time. In Indiana, the average time from when someone applies for unemployment to when they get their first check is 21 days. And in this moment of crisis, that is just a non-negotiable, horrible, It's unacceptable. Horrible. 21 days is without money is life or death. It's unacceptable. So that's, that's really what our, our, our decision, once we knew that we were going to have to close, it was how to step in our closures, um, what to do best for our staff. We immediately contacted our 
um, employment lawyer, our what we call our dirt lawyer, our lease lawyers, um, our our advisors in the insurance industry, and our accountants to find out, and our bankers too. To be honestly, the banker was my personal banker was the second person I called, saying I know what's coming down the line. Um, we started communication with all of these people before the mandated closures. And I think that put us in a completely different position. So you're, you're organized. We're organized. And what the, the thing is, we have this, for instance, we have this uh, website, potashootpeople.com. By the way, that is open. It, that's an open website. That is, you don't, it's not password protected. It's not meant just for our employees. But what it is, is it is our communication tool for all of our employees, all of our benefits, our policies, um, stories about staff are included in that, at that, in that site. But it has become our ground zero communication, manner of communication, especially during this last week. Are you willing to say how much is is actually in the fund? I'm, I just think it might be an interesting thing for other restaurants to hear about because it's sort of a, a, an interesting idea. We keep a balance around $10,000 in the fund at all time. Um, but that's not going to be, we know that's, we know that that's not, a, that's not a lot of money and it's not, that's not going to last for a long time, which is why we decided to take the proceeds from these non brick and mortar sales and to push them to the fund. We're trying to blow the fund up as much as possible. We've even had customers, believe it or not, we've had customers donate to the fund. I'm not surprised. It's remarkable. It's heartwarming. It's heartbreaking. Um, but it also, I believe really reinforces this idea that I communicate all the time that restaurants are more than they are truly what make communities. Um, you know, our slogan since 1989 has been for Cafe Parachu that it is a student union for adults and truly, I, I know it's like, you can kind of snicker about it and when I came up with the slogan 30 years ago, my memories, I mean, that was before Starbucks were everywhere and before there was this notion of third places. But I remember my college experience of hanging out in the student union and that's what we wanted. Well, that's what restaurants are. They're community anchors. And this is a time that we have seen remarkable community support. My fear is that people don't yet recognize how, how, vulnerable restaurants, even successful restaurants like mine, are vulnerable. We all require cash flow. We all require butts and seats and sales to operate. These are really fragile ecosystems. Um, and we are now learning how fragile we are. How long can a restaurant stay open for without the same kind of cash flow? that it's used to? Like, when do you know you have to close the doors? I mean, two week mandated shutdown. It seems like everybody knew like we can't stay open for two weeks. We can't survive two weeks. Um, is it a shorter period of time than that? It's much shorter. Constant cash flow is, is look, you, you know, there's so much of, in a restaurant that you cannot control 
in terms of your expenses. Your rent is fixed, utilities, um, taxes, payroll taxes, payroll. These are the payroll is the one area. Payroll and food and beverage purchases are the two areas that you can um, exert some control over. Otherwise, you're really you're stuck. You're stuck with your contractual obligations. And there's so much that goes into running a restaurant. I mean, when we sat down and went through, when we sat down on Monday with my, um, my our in-house controller, and we went through all the contracts that we have, I'll just mention a couple of them beyond our utility contracts, our, co- our composting. We have a person, we compost everywhere. Um, sustainability is a huge initiative for us. It's a platform. We've got a director of sustainability. Um, we consider it to be part of our foundational value statement and value practice. So we compost everywhere. Well, we have a company, a local company that helps us with our composting needs and takes our compost um, and makes compost tea from the compost, which then is used on our micro farms. Well, we we have to prioritize what we're doing now. That is going to stop for probably 90 days. I mean, that's terrifying. Uh, the ripple effects are so terrifying. It's not just our servers. It's not just our cooks. It's not our executive team, our managers. It's also all these ancillary businesses that depend on us. Um, and it's it's a bit overwhelming to go through. And there's just so much in a restaurant we can control. And if we don't have daily cash flow, we can't operate. And we're and we're in a good position. I'm, I will be just really forthright. We have reserves and we have a credit line that has that will be tapped into if needed. But that's not a great way to do business when you have no cash flow to pay off the debt. And that debt has to be paid off. I don't think people understand that that, uh, you know, certain people live paycheck to paycheck. Restaurants kind of live night to night. A hundred percent. You know, we started sharing data with our staff to put things in perspective and I know for the, you know, the Danny Myers of the world and the David Chang, Tom Cleek, all these, you know, phenomenal uh, Kelly Fields. I'm trying to think of all these remarkable operators out there. Um, they are vulnerable now, too, and they know it. They may be less vulnerable because of their other sources of income, but I don't have TV deals. I'm not on the Food Network. I, you know, I don't have books. I don't have Nike shoes. I don't have cookware. We depend on butts in the seats every day and every night to make this go. Um, and without that, we just we can't hold on. How do people petition for relief for the restaurant industry if they don't know? Who do they call? When do they call? What do they say? Well, I think right now is a time for everybody to call their, in particular right now, to call their senators um, and to demand emergency relief for the restaurant and hospitality industry. This also is impacting tremendously hotel workers, as you know. Um, But I think we have to not say, hey, it's a good idea. I think we have to demand immediate relief for owners and for workers Um, There are things that we are doing at the state level. We are talking to our legislative body, our governor, about waiving payroll taxes, about Indiana taxes, about waiving our food and beverage sales taxes, which, you know, 
it's a whole another subject to conversation how in how state how states have mandated this is for years this isn't new but states have mandated that restaurants are tax collectors um we are we have reached out to all of our landlords asking for suspension of rent i've only heard from one landlord who agreed for a two week period for a suspension which believe me i was I, that was very wonderful to hear from my major landlords have refused to suspend and they are they are saying that they will litigate anything that but full payment so i mean that's really and you know we need rent and mortgage abatement for for workers of the uh, hospitality industry um it, it this this is the tentacles of this are go so far are you doing anything to address the the mental health of of the people who were laid off and the people who are currently employed fearful of what might be coming next next for them we have had and again it helps if you have systems in place um for years we've had an employee system a, a I'm, sorry, I'm sorry an employee assistant plan that offers 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, um, mental health counseling, financial counseling, and legal counseling. Um, that is still in effect. Um, we have an HR team that is incredibly responsive, uh, and we have communicated tons of resources um, for crisis management for people. We also have a customer in town um, I'll just give him a little shout out. It won't mean anything to anyone outside of Indianapolis, but he's a great customer, an embedded customer of Potashu. He reached out immediately to my HR team. Uh, his name is Pete the Planner. He's a financial guy. And he's reached out and offered free one-on-one -on -one, uh, counseling for people for their financial needs. And internally, we do our own financial training um, it's not been taken seriously enough by our staff. It's not mandatory. Uh, and But I imagine that as soon as we're back up and running, we will have a full class there uh, to teach financial management. Um, so we're doing the best we can with the systems that we have in place. And the one thing that I think will post-apocalypse, if you will, the one thing that I think that where we're going is this will make for the restaurants that can survive. This will make for better operations all around moving forward. Restaurants will be cleaner. I think that restaurant personnel will be taken care of better. I'm hoping that everyone can talk about livable wages, paid sick leave, paid PTO for hourlies. Um, I do think that it will push all of these items forward. And it's ironic that it takes this kind of a crisis to change the industry. But we all know that this has been a broken model for a long time. And the, the thing that I really want to talk about publicly is the bottom line for restaurants to do what they should be doing for their people, for their staff, for the staff that make restaurants possible and successful we need the, the price of food is universally too low. The price on our menus is universally too low. 
we can, the model that exists is pushing the value of food down and it, we, we can't, we can no longer do that. And the public is going to have to be aware of the fact that if you want restaurants that provide for their people, provide for their staffs, not just in time of crisis, but on a daily basis, that there has to, we have to charge more for food. And that that's going to be a difficult thing for people who, who define value as the most money for the less, for the least amount of money that they can buy. That's, that's a problem. It's going to be tough. I mean, coming out of this, we're either going to be in a deep recession or something like a a depression. People might be way more compassionate and might also have way less money. Um, A meal out might mean a lot more to people. Things are going to change. Yep. I think they will change. And ultimately, it's not that I'm this ridiculous Pollyanna, although I, I am a very positive person. I know that the restaurant industry will come back and it'll come back strong. I just think it'll take a little longer than we are hoping. And I think consumer confidence will be is going to be taking a hit. And we're, we're going to see that as well in our in our numbers once we're allowed to reopen. The other thing that we are doing beyond the peer fund and the carry out um, is we also are taking all of our eggs. We use great, we have organic, we only use organic and pasture raised eggs, taking all of our bread, our eggs, our um, uh, greens, our salad dressings, and our soups that were made in the production kitchen. And we're dividing it out so all staff can come and pick up. Um, and and we're, we're just doing the most that we possibly can to preserve, to preserve the company and to help our staff in the process. All right, Martha, thank you so much for being here um, and sharing what's going on with your restaurants and and your team. And we'll check in with you again. Um, I wish you guys all well. And uh, as as usual, I'm, uh, you know, fascinated by the efforts you make. And I love hearing about the ways you guys have have organized. So um, thank you for your time. Thank you, Howie. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye, Martha. That was Martha Hoover. You can follow Martha on Instagram at Martha S. Hoover and learn more about her restaurant group's internal communications and emergency efforts at www.patichupeople.com. We will be back tomorrow with Detroit's George Azar. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo was created by Renald Philippe at Beepoles. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and Will Gadara, Brian Canlis, Anthony Rudolph, and Aaron Ginsberg at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back tomorrow. This is Takeaway Only. 